Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 225. Going on a Royal Caribbean cruise, there's a lot of great reasons to take one, and oftentimes, many people look for it for their honeymoon cruise, because what better way to celebrate a new wedding than going on a Royal Caribbean cruise escape? In fact, it's been going on for such a long time, and yet, a lot of folks who are new to cruising, or maybe just looking for tips, may be wondering, how does a honeymoon cruise work exactly? This week's episode is all about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise for your honeymoon. Here we go. Many people who look to take a Royal Caribbean cruise are often looking to celebrate for a particular reason. Maybe it's a wedding or anniversary or bar mitzvah. And in many cases, actually, it's a honeymoon. Honeymooning on a Royal Caribbean cruise and cruising in general has been a very popular activity. And this week, we're going to be focusing on a honeymoon on a Royal Caribbean cruise, actually talking with someone who just got back from a honeymoon cruise aboard Allura this season. Not just one, but two. That's how good. That's how she rolls, and I like that kind of style. And, of course, some of you may recall that many moons ago, I, too, honeymooned on a Royal Caribbean cruise. And I'm actually uh, very happy to welcome aboard the Royal Caribbean blog podcast, a very good friend of mine, Kayla Hildebrandt from Ohio. Welcome, Kayla. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, a belated congratulations on getting hitched and, of course, get going on a, on a cruise for your honeymoon. Thank you. Yeah, it was all just absolutely incredible. <laughs> so let's talk about the decision to actually take a honeymoon. What were your thoughts about uh, taking a cruise, Royal Caribbean or otherwise, uh, for your honeymoon? Were there other options you were considering or what kind of what kind of compelled you to look in this direction? You know, not really for us. I actually started cruising because of my husband, or was, you know, then my boyfriend. Um, he, I went on my very first cruise with him, and both of us kind of realized that that was the kind of vacation that we just like to take. Um, shortly after we got engaged, you know, we took a cruise on Enchantment. We've taken, you know, cruises together on Brilliance. So we knew that for our honeymoon, we really wanted to, you know, pick a sailing that, you know, was a little bit different than something that we've done before. Um, I had never sailed on an Oasis-class ship. Um, there were a few different factors going into that. Um, so when we just realized that we wanted to ha- be able to have that downtime that cruising allows you on the allure of the seas. Absolutely. And you chose allure. Was there a reason why you chose allure over another ship? I mean, obviously, go, I think taking, I took my honeymoon on Mariner of the seas. I had a wonderful time. But, you know, was there any reason you looked at allure over others? Um, so that's interesting. That was actually something that I was thinking about, you know, when kind of thinking about, you know, this conversation, um, thinking about, you know, what's important when, you know, you want to plan a honeymoon, you know, for us, it came down to, did we want to, you know, book a suite? Did we want to have a really port heavy itinerary? Did we just want to check out a new ship? Um, or just really have that time together. Um, so for us, it came down to one, we knew that we wanted to have a two week honeymoon and really be able to take that time out and enjoy that time together right after just an absolutely hectic, you know, point in our lives. Um, And we knew that we wanted it to be on a ship that would have tons to do, a lot of space, um, and know that it offered a really incredible, unique experience. Um, So that's when we started looking at um, Harmony and Allure. And we actually wound up going with Allure. And we had the exact same cabin both weeks. Um, We had a ocean view balcony on deck six. We were actually very close to the entrance to the boardwalk. So it was an absolutely wonderful location. And it could not have worked out any better. Awesome. What were, you know, one of the things you did a back-to-back also, and that's kind of, a, I just want to bring, this has nothing to do with honeymoons, just cruising in general, but I think it's really important that you took the same cabin for both. Did you feel like that was really a, a, a big help to have that uh, same room for both sailings? It was really nice knowing that we wouldn't have to worry about making sure that things were a little bit more organized. Um, if we were to stay in the same cabin, we knew that our stateroom attendant would help us move our, you know, items to our new, um, our new location, but 
it was just nice knowing that we didn't have to worry about that. Um, and our travel agent was very helpful in helping us find a room that was available for weeks. Good. So let's talk about you know tips for someone going on a honeymoon. So someone comes to you, Kayla, and says, uh, Kayla, I'm uh, thinking about I'm getting engaged or I am engaged and I'm going to go on a cruise for my honeymoon. What are, where do you want to start with some tips here uh, for someone who's looking to take a Royal Caribbean cruise for their honeymoon? The very first thing that I think that I would say is do not over plan, especially if you're going to be going on one of these, you know, the, the larger ships, the Oasis class, um, something like that. It's really easy to look, sit down and look at your cruise planner and see all of these things they have available to you. Um, you're going to be really tired after your wedding. Um, I know that as soon as we boarded, um, I think the first day, I'll, I just wanted to take a nap. Um, and I know, and especially even with things like formal nights, you know, I think we had just gone through a period where we had just gone and dressed up a whole bunch and that wasn't something that we felt like we wanted to do. So go in with a mindset of you have a lot of options available to you, but especially if you do end up, you know, taking a longer sailing, don't stress about getting to everything. Really enjoy that time. Just being able to do what, what it is that you want to do and don't try to overplan everything. Absolutely. Um, I think there's a uh, part of that, you know, when you're, when you're planning the cruise and you're booking the cruise, first of all, make sure, uh, if you're booking it directly with Royal Caribbean or with a travel agent, have them note on your reservation that it is a, you're celebrating the event, yeah. the honeymoon. Um, did that, I, you know, I often tell people that, hey, Kayla, did it, did it, do you feel like it helped at all? Um, in terms of like actually making a difference in your cruise experience? Actually it did. Um, the very first night that we went to, uh, we went to dinner, um, the waiters brought out a cake for us with a, uh, with like a candle in it and sang a, you know, a happy honeymoon song, which was you know, <laughs> nice. always it draws a lot of attention to you. So <laughs> if, if that's not what you want, then maybe don't do that. Um, we also had a invitation in our stateroom to a honeymooners uh, reception where oh. it was really neat. It was held in dazzles, um, which is that big, you know, uh, you, you know, this, but the big three leveled, uh, you know, bar and lounge that, you know, has all the glass, um, and they yep. had a live, they had a live band, music, um, open bar. Um, there were people walking around with champagne, and mimosas. Um, they had a cake, strawberries, and they actually did a raffle. So they had um, like champagne, and I think that like the those uh, the Caraloha sheets and that kind of thing. Um, so lots of little give- giveaways like that. Um, nice. So yeah. Now, the other option I'm going to ask you if you used it is the uh, Royal Caribbean does offer a honeymoon gift registry kind of thing um, where you can just like with many gift registries for, for weddings, you can sign up and get uh, you know people to essentially buy you experiences. And I use the word buy in air quotes because uh, in reality, what it, no one actually buying you the experience, even though they look at it like that. You just get the onboard right. credit value for it. So if someone buys you Chops Grill dinner, let's say it's 50 bucks a, a pop hundred dollars you don't actually get like a reservation you can use the fifty the hundred dollars for anything quite honestly but they will tell you that did you did you use the registry at all no we actually didn't um it just it it was it didn't it wasn't the easiest to use um and kind of like what you said like there was like you know if people wanted to give you money for one thing you know you could kind of use it for something different so it just kind of we just kind of passed that one on yeah, one of the things that one of the issue or caveats or things to know about, I should probably say, about the registry is that, as I mentioned, there's two things. Number one is that no one's actually buying the experience. You take the onboard credit value of it, which isn't bad because you can always change your mind or use the thing that actually got you. Um, but also, you can't actually book anything with that money until you're on board the ship. So it's one of those things where you have the money, but you really don't have the money. So if you're like an advanced planner, like I really want to do like a, spa, a couple's massage on this day at this time, you might be better off actually booking it in advance if you're really dead set on a certain place, a certain time. Um, mm-hmm. And then you save that onboard credit for later for something else just so that you can uh, be assured of it. But just under be, be understanding that 
the wedding registry doesn't allow you to book the stuff in advance. Um, right. But it's you know it's a nice money to be, to use uh, once you're on board the cruise, and I think in most cases it makes feel anyone feel any better. Um, you know, even if you can't book in advance, many of these things do not sell out. Most people don't really go to those lengths, and I've always had pretty good luck with booking stuff on board, especially if you just do it on embarkation day. Uh, in terms of getting a you know securing a spot for you, so you know it's not the end of the world is what I'm trying to say. If you don't have the reservation in advance, um, right? Um, um, cool. Well, and that's a great point too. Um, you know, something else that I had kind of thought of, you know, when yeah, you know, talking about honey, planning honeymoon, um, spend money on things that you wouldn't normally spend money on. And interesting that you mentioned, you know, like the um, being able to book these things ahead of time. Um, even if you are looking to splurge a little bit, you can get some great deals on some things ahead of your cruise. So for example, uh, the first night done right deal where you can get, you know, a discount on going to a specialty dinner or even like you mentioned, the couple's massage. If you book for an early morning appointment, you can usually save like 50, $60 off of the cost of that massage. So if you do want to splurge a little bit and do want to plan ahead just a little bit for that, um, you can help save, it can help you save some money there. Absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of the things that you can book ahead of time can really help benefit in terms of that planning process. What, is, it, is it safe to say that the drink package is a, is a, is a foregone conclusion that you should get the unlimited alcohol package to celebrate your honeymoon? Uh, celebrate slash kind of unwind from that whole. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember the, my honeymoon cruise that I did. I remember it's the only cruise I've had in which I wasn't excited for the cruise. And what I mean by that is because the wedding dominates your entire life leading up to the honeymoon, and we took our honeymoon the day after our wedding, it was this weird thing where I distinctly remember this surreal moment. We were, you know, the wedding was over, and my wife and I were, we were, you know, trying to, I think it was our first, like, kind of, like, you know, moments together after the wedding and, like, you know, some actually sitting down and relaxing. And we looked at each other and I said to my wife, like, oh, we're going on a cruise tomorrow. Like, it's like, usually with a cruise, you have these, you know, months to look forward to and you get all that excitement. Uh-huh. And, but with the wedding, it just dominates your thought process. And that's why Kayla's being very facetious, not facetious, <laughs> but, you know, kind of like, you know, putting it very nicely that there's a lot that goes into that, that it, uh-huh. you know, it, there's, it, it's taxing on you. And so to have, you know, the cruise afterwards, like, oh, yeah, there's that thing, too. So it's kind of a weird nuance. And, and I think that was kind of the it sounds like you kind of went through something similar, Kayla. Absolutely, because we did. We our wedding ended at 11 o'clock at night and we had to go to the airport at five o'clock the next morning to oh catch gosh. our flight. Uh, so we were exhausted and we kind of found ourselves just saying we're going on a cruise tomorrow. We're going on a cruise tomorrow. <laughs> we're going on a cruise next week just to kind of remind ourselves that we had that going on after all of the stress was done. So. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Um, did you decorate your stateroom at all? Um, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> I think we bought the stateroom decoration package. Royal Caribbean does offer uh, certain packages. Um, you can get like a birthday celebration one or honeymoon. Basically, there's like yeah. streamers and some signs they put all around there. They did yep. have decorations hanging from our cabin when we got in there, didn't they? Decorations? In the stateroom cabin? Or The honeymoon? <laughs> I'm asking my husband. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They did. I think they had a few things hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to leave that totally in because it's the classic husband response of like, Kayla's talking for the last, I don't know, what are we at? 10 minutes here. <laughs> for the what now? Who? Where? It's total husband. That's awesome. I would do the same thing, by the way. I am not above that. I'd be like, what are we talking about again? Um, but yes, you can get decorations and, you know, do little special things like that. Um, now, were there any surprises on board for you? You did mention the, the fact that the, the crew surprised you a little bit there with uh, at the restaurant. 
with with some of the surprises there. Did your husband surprise you, or did your travel agent, or anybody kind of? Because that's one thing you can do is obviously uh, if if your friends and family have somebody going on honeymoon, you can order things via the Royal Caribbean website. You know the gifts and gear website that you can have things delivered to the room. Uh, if, obviously, if you're one of the spouses, you could surprise your other spouse with you know the uh, uh, something on board. Were, the, were there anything kind of like ways that you kind of surprise yourselves in, the, in did any of that happened for you? You know, we didn't, um, not in between ourselves. I think that we were just kind of like, I think I like, I would try to surprise him with something that I just tell him because one, I was too excited about it. And two, I was just kind of like looking over all of the wedding stress into like what we had to look forward to and just kind of like, just make it to the finish line. Um, <laughs> what we did have, we actually had some really incredible friends, uh, surprise us with a cabana. Um, and that was just blew our minds. It was absolutely amazing. So we get to sp- spend the day on Nelly's beach in Labadee. Nice. Uh, you did mention, by the way, I forgot to follow up on that. You mentioned that you you got the invitation for the Honeymooners meetup. Did you go to that? Yes, we did. Um, and I did a little periscope of it. So. Oh, cool. What did you What did you think of it? You think it's worthwhile for folks who are going on a honeymoon as well to to go to that as well? I do. Um, I mean, if you kind of like the like those kinds of little get-togethers where they do raffles and everything, it's nothing too exciting, and I didn't feel like it was too over the top, but it was really nice just to kind of have a quiet lounge where i think on allure i think there were like a hundred something other honeymooning couples and um yeah it was really nice cool what are what are some other tips you would give for a honeymooner um especially if you're going to plan a cruise during hurricane season the same thing that people tell you with your wedding that things aren't always going to go as planned and you know if something doesn't go as planned just go with it the same thing can happen on a cruise things might not go as planned um we cruised you know a what, what were the dates? October 8th and October 15th. And this was shortly after um, a couple of the hurricanes had gone through earlier in the season. And we had quite a few port changes. Um, and, you know, you kind of know how that goes. You know, there's, you know, some people can be really frustrated or disappointed by that. But I think that we just kind of went in with the mindset and attitude of it's okay. We're going to be married. We're going to be on a ship. We'll be enjoying ourselves. And that'll be great. Um, so I think that's another thing to take into consideration, especially if you really are completely set um, on a particular uh, port or itinerary, um, something to keep in mind. I think I think it's a great uh, that's a great attitude. I think it goes for honestly anybody who's on a cruise. I mean, there's certain things that are right. just out of your control, and one of them is the weather. Like that's the chief one, and that's something that just you know there's nothing you can do about it. But that doesn't mean that if things don't go your way, because you ended up doing I think two westerns in a row, right? Um, kind of. The first week we had western, and then the second week we had Nassau, Cozumel, and Costa Maya. Okay, so half a Western and half an Eastern, but Nassau, yeah, kind of a, yeah. a, a weird one in that. But, you know, not the end of the world. You got to, in fact, nothing else. You got to try different options uh, going to, you know, uh, having the kind of the repetition in that regard. So I think that's not right. a bad thing. No, and it was great. I mean, I, and to your point, I mean, you're right. This could go for anybody taking a cruise. But I think, you know, especially the re- around, a wedding with, around a wedding with all of that stress that you have, um, mm-hmm. You know, anything, any little change like that can, you know, I just, I, I'm totally guilty of this. If some, if something doesn't go quite as planned, it can cause a meltdown. Um, so, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> now, let me ask you, th- let me ask you this, Kayla. If you could go back in time, would you change anything about your honeymoon? I honestly wouldn't. I mean, there's, you know, with uh, with our decision to, you know, go on a back to back and do that, you know, why not just do one week? Why not just do one week in a suite? Why, you know, why take two weeks? Um. Uh, for me personally, there's nothing I would change. But again, um, when you sit down and start to plan, you know, a big trip like this, just really keep in mind, you know, what's important to you. Do you want to make sure you're spending time together? Do you want a really upgraded experience? 
um, just really consider what's important to you and, you know, your future spouse and how do you two enjoy this, enjoy spending time together? Absolutely. I think it's really good, really good tips all around. Um, and, uh, now before I let you go, Kayla, I got to, uh, since this is actually the first time on the podcast, I can, uh, on a dedicated episode, not a call in one. I, uh, of course I have to, uh, get to let everybody get to know you a little bit better. And so I'm going <laughs> to ask you a couple, couple of quick fire questions. Just give us the first thing that comes into your mind. Are you ready? Absolutely. Since you sailed on Allure of the Seas, what's your best tip for somebody going on Allure of the Seas for the first time? Don't ever plan. <laughs> don't ever plan? Don't over plan. I mean, over plan. Plan some things, but don't plan every minute of every day. It's really easy to do that and just wing it a little bit. Okay. Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? Giovanni's Table. Preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean uh, cruise? Discovered this one on uh, my last cruise. Pineapple and Patron. Interesting. Favorite <laughs> port of call to visit? Cozumel. And favorite song on your on the radio or your iPhone today? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> pa- I'm pass on that one. I I'm blinking. <laughs> blinking. All right. I'll 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 put in there Apache. Jump on it. What a great song, right? Jump on yeah. it. Jump on. You know that sure. song. It's an old Why song. Why not? There you go. That's fine. <laughs> awesome. Well, Kayla, thank you so much for joining us here. I really appreciate you spending some time and sharing some insight from your honeymoon. Of course. Thanks, Matt. It's time to answer your Royal Caribbean emails. This is the part of the show where I get to read the emails that you've sent in about anything Royal Caribbean related and answer them right here on the podcast. And, of course, you're wondering, wow, that'd be awesome. I want to send in a question, too. Well, I would love that. All you have to do is send an email to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Dot com. Our first email this week comes to us from David in Allen Park, Michigan. Right, time out. I love your show. I was listening to episode 73 about Coco Cay versus Labadee. I'm going on my first cruise next June on Adventure this season out of New Jersey, and it will be stopping in Coco Cay. I ordered a cabana, but after listening to the podcast, it sounded like it will not be right on the beach. I was hoping we'd all be on the cabana and the kids would be playing on the beach near it. Do you recommend the bungalow instead? So, David, I'm glad you brought this up because actually, since that episode recorded, Royal Caribbean moved the cabanas to have direct beach access, which took away the primary problem. I've actually done the bungo, the beach bungalow in Coco Cay. I have not done the cabanas, but both are great. I think the primary difference, based purely on uh, my cabana experience on Labadee, uh-huh. is that with the cabana, you get a little more dedicated service than you do with the beach bungalow. And so I don't think you can go wrong with either, quite honestly. I love the bungalows a lot. They're a little more closer together than the bungal- than the cabanas are. But I don't. I think that now that the cabanas are on the water side, you have far less of an issue. So, David, I'm going to give you the thumbs up on going ahead with that cabana on on Coco Cay. I think it's going to be a much better uh, value or better experience, I should say, today than it was back when we recorded episode 73. But thank you for putting that in. We have to update that episode. Uh-huh. I like that. Another opportunity to debate the virtues of Coco Cay and Labadee. Speaking of Coco Cay, we have another question about Coco Cay. This one from Amber Holly. Who writes, uh, this question is going to make me sound cheap. I'm going to Majesty of the Season April to unwind after a Disney World uh, half marathon. We're stopping at Coco Cay, and I was thinking about reserving a cabana. I noticed in the description that there seems to be two of everything in the cabana. Do I just pay for one person and my husband gets to enjoy it too, or do I have to pay for both of us? Actually, Amber, you're not being cheap. You're being correct. You only have to buy for one of you. When you buy a cabana or a beach bungalow or one of these kind of experiences, you buy it for under one person. So let's say you put it under your name, Amber. But it's good for up to a certain amount of people. And in this case, yes, you only buy for one. In fact, if you booked it for both you and your husband, 
that would actually get you two cabanas. So you'd be overpaying. Unless you want to have two cabanas. Maybe he needs some separation. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I'm going to guess that's probably not the case. So yes, actually, you want to book just one. The price that you see for things like cabanas and beach bungalows is not per person, one per group. So one cabana, the price is per cabana. You just book it under one person because that's how it is. I do admit and I, I, that it's not the most clear thing in the world. I think they put the verbiage towards the bottom on the cruise planner website. But, you know, it should just be like, you know, add one cabana, not do this per person kind of thing. But that's a limitation of their system. But, of course, now you know the answer. So there you go. Uh, next, we have an email from Quentin, who writes a few questions for you since you're the Royal Caribbean expert. When you look at booking your cruises, what top things you look for? Is it the price, ship, or itinerary? Which is the most important? Wow, Quentin, that's a really good question. Yeah, of course, I'm going to give you the answer if it depends. I, to me, I would say the ship and itinerary go back and forth as the primary things I look for. I certainly look for, I think these days, I probably look for ship first. I am a cruise nerd, Quentin, so you know the, the ships mean a little bit more to me than maybe somebody who's more looking for itineraries. But definitely the itinerary is like 1A. You know, The ship is 1A and the itinerary is 1B. And oftentimes I will look at the ship and look at the itinerary and I'm like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. Price is probably the next thing because it will either compel me or dissuade me from booking said cruise. In fact, I was looking at some recent cruises and there was like it was a ship that I'd never been on before and the dates were right. And, and you know, but then I looked at the itinerary and I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. And other times I've seen great ship, great itinerary, and then I look at the price and I'm like, oh, boy, that's not going to happen either. So I definitely think it's it's ship and itinerary. I go back and forth. So I would almost put them equally together. And then the price is probably number two. Um, certainly the stateroom obviously plays into that, right? Because, you know, depending on the price you're paying, that will dictate. As an example, we're going on Rhapsody to the Seas in March of next year. And part of the reason we picked this particular ship and sailing was this, the price. Actually, the price ended up being a major component because the suite we booked was so inexpensive compared to suites we stayed in before that we almost felt like, man, this is almost too good to pass up. And so that's why we booked that particular ship and, and sailing. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it, it depends. But I think most often I look at ship and itinerary again in it goes they're, they're almost together and you really can't look at one or the other in many cases you know the fact that uh, when new ships come out I certainly look at the ship first the itinerary really isn't a compelling reason for me especially with Caribbean cruises you know eastern western meh same difference you know there's I've done, been there done that but for me new ships really do have a compelling component to them that draws me to them. Certainly, that's been the case with Harmony of the Seas, Symphony of the Seas. In fact, when we had an opportunity to cruise last summer on Harmony of the Seas, uh, you know, we, we were looking for a July Fourth escape. But as soon as we knew we wanted to do a seven nighter, I told my wife, "Let's go on Harmony. Let's let's you know go big or go home." That was our thing. So, uh, Quentin also wants to know that is it better to book in U.S. dollars or Canadian? Uh, the downside to booking in Canadians, you can't get trip insurance through Royal Caribbean, but which my wife feels better about. Uh, so just curious about how that works. It's a good question, but obviously I don't live in Canada, so I don't know the nuances of which one are which one is better or not. But I want to get you a good answer. So if there are any Canadian listeners that are, listeners that are out there, and I know we have quite a few, uh, please feel free to send me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com with your answer. Or better yet, you can go to the comments section on royalcaribbeanblog.com. Go to this episode and post your comments right over there, so that way Quentin can go check it out for himself. It's a good question, though. I don't think we've ever gotten Thank you, Quentin. Next, we have an email from Angela, who writes, I just want to first say, I love your podcast and I love the blog. I love talking cruises with anyone and really enjoy having these various ways to learn 
new things or hear about other people's experiences. I'm new to podcasts, but I've listened to your 200th episode, so congratulations on that. I do have a couple of questions for you. I've heard you mention a guaranteed stateroom in your podcast. Can you tell me what that means? Is it is it a better rate than just outright requesting a certain room? We've done three cruises in the past and always requested a balcony, and whatever they gave us was fine. We're currently booked in Oasis of the Seas, our first Royal Caribbean cruise, so I'm not worried about the guaranteed stateroom right now, but I'm wondering if I should do that for future cruises. She has a second question. Let's do that one first. So guaranteed rooms for Royal Caribbean is basically they're going to say, okay, Angela, we're going to give you a balcony room. So if you do a guaranteed balcony, you're going to guarantee at least a balcony or higher, but you can't, we won't tell you what number it is, what room it is, right? So you won't know if it's forward, aft, high deck, low deck. You won't know until later on. Royal Caribbean will then figure out later on, be like, okay, well, we've got some availability. We'll, we'll stick Angela over here. Now, the, the the reason you do this is because it's gonna it will save you some money compared to picking out a stateroom. Basically, by booking a guaranteed stateroom, you're giving Royal Caribbean a little more leverage, a little more uh, freedom, if you will, to mix and match and allow them to market their uh, other rooms a little bit better and fit you in where it makes the most convenience uh, for Royal Caribbean. In most cases, I think most people will tell you that the guarantees there work out quite well. In fact, when I was on Harmony of the Seas the very first time, way back uh, 2016, I did a guarantee and I ended up with a guarantee uh, boardwalk room on Harmony of the Seas. It was boardwalk balcony room. And it was fine. They assigned me a room. And actually, once you have the room number assigned to you, you can actually then change it to any other room. So if the number is, you know, if there's a room that's two doors down, you'd rather be in the same category, then you can change that there. It's not usually an issue there. Um, but I've had pretty good luck with it. I, I would not recommend guaranteed state rooms for people that are very particular. My parents are a classic example of this. They never want guaranteed rooms because my parents always want to be, they want to know they're going to be midship on a low deck because they're worried about seasickness. And I tell them that's just crazy at this point because they cruise so often. I don't know why that's still a consideration for them, but that's how they like to cruise. And so they go for it that way. So it can save you money. And if you're kind of used to not really, or you don't really care about picking, you know, a particular room over a different room, then it's a great option and it can save you money. I also should mention that theoretically with a guarantee, you could actually go higher. You may book a guarantee, a balcony, but they may move you up to a suite. Likely not. In fact, very likely not. But it could happen. They only, they guarantee you that level or higher. Something that's a little lost. I remember there was somebody on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com on our message boards who was, their spouse was upset because they booked a balcony and got a suite and she really, really wanted a, a balcony. And everyone was like, you do understand this is a better deal, right? And they were like, no, no, we really want this balcony. And anyway, it was an odd story. But nonetheless, uh, the good news is, yes, you can still book that, uh, get the guarantee and take advantage of that and potentially get an Angel also wants to know, uh, my second question is for my husband. My husband enjoys many different alcohols, but he's a, he's a beer lover at heart. Does Royal Caribbean have a very good beer selection of uh, on board the ship? Good question. So, uh, how good? It's decent, I think. Certain, the, the beer selection will vary from bar to bar. By far, the best place for beers on board is going to be a, a, the pub on the Royal Promenade. I believe you guys said you're on Oasis of the Sea, so yes. The pub on the Promenade is going to have the greatest selection of beers, uh, varieties of beers. In general, I found that Royal Caribbean does not have a wonderful selection of darker beers. Like, if you like IPAs, uh, there's not a whole lot to choose from. In fact, I don't think there's, I think maybe one or two. You know, if you like stouts, I mean, there's Guinness and maybe one others. They Their beers tend to be on the lighter side, the, you know, the Pilsners and the Lagers and whatnot, which are fine. But again, uh, you're not going to find a whole lot of selection. If you're into craft beers, there's not a whole lot of craft beers available, unless you happen to be on a quantum class ship like Anthem of the Seas. They actually have a very good selection of craft beers on there, but that's because they have a special bar for that. 
But on Oasis, again, there's a decent selection of, of you know, you're, you're going to have a, a, a good array of domestic beers and international beers. Uh, but again, if you're a beer snob, then it might not. I think the answer is going to be no, it doesn't. But if you're just looking for something other than Bud and Heineken, yes, you'll find something other than that. So hopefully that answers your question there, Angela. And thank you to everybody for these wonderful questions on this week's episode. So that'll wrap up this episode of the Royal Korean Blog Podcast. Thank you for joining us again. And until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.